But I, I think it's such a poignant verse to apply to exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day of birth. Boy, it's so important, especially as we get into these last days, that we are in church, that we are plugged in, that we are uh, involved, that we are engaged. And I understand that you have certain things that come up that require you to miss from time to time. But what I'm asking you is that you resolve to be here as much as you possibly can. Because honestly, um, it, it, maybe, I, maybe I'm speaking from experience that, that other people don't have, and I, I'm sure I am, but when we were growing up, and I've told you this before, but I can count on one hand the number of times we missed church growing up. And that includes Sunday school, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. We had our midweek services on Thursday night, but we didn't miss. It was not a, it was not a question of, are we going to church tonight? We, we automatically do. It, it, was, it was a weird thing if for some reason we didn't go to church. And honestly, I'm trying to, and that's why I say I can count on one hand, I'm thinking back and trying to remember an actual time that we didn't go to church. I don't ever remember missing a service. Uh, and I get it. People are sick. And when you have to miss, don't, don't come if you're sick. Right? You don't want to just pass it around and spread it around, but, oh, I got, I got a little bit of a headache. I don't think I can go to church today. You know what? Take some aspirin and come to church. Right? Well, I got a little bit of a <laughs> cough and sniffle. I don't think I can go to church today. Right? Bring the Kleenex, sit out in the foyer, and come to church, right? That's what you ought to do. Make church a priority. Make it something that's important to you. And as, as, as church attendance fades across the nation and, and, and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. Why it's so important. Get served from your couch. Okay? You, you can't have community of faith on your couch. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers that are getting excited about seeing God do something in their lives from your couch. Can you sit there and watch the service? Yes, you can. Can you get, can you get something from the Word of God by watching it on a, a, an online service? Yes, you can. But Christians aren't consumers. We're contributors. We don't watch. We engage. At least that's what we're designed to do. Right. So why is it that, that some people are, are never excited about the Christian life? It's because all they're doing is consuming. They're not engaged. They're not. They're not putting out. They're not. They're not excited about those things because they're just. They're just like a sponge. Give me everything you can give me, and when a sponge gets full, it's it's not a whole lot of use to it, right? It's it's so sloppy and so fat and so just saturated that it's really not even that useful for anything. And that's what happens with Christians. When all we do is, is, is sit and, and fill up and, and give a day. We're contributors. We, we engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray for the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. Amen. And that is, it, it's, it's, it's just as vital both ways. We need you. If we didn't have people in the church, there would be no church. But you need the church, too. Amen. We need the church. We need each other. Amen. You add. One service a week to what you're doing now. If you come only on Sunday morning, wouldn't you add Sunday night? Add Wednesday night, add Sunday school. If you come, if you come on Sunday morning and Sunday night, won't you add Wednesday night to it? Yeah, if you come on those three, won't you add Sunday school? Because just just pick one service, one 
service and make that a, an extra project that you this year. Why come on Sunday morning? Pay for it. And that's good. That's good. Better than not coming at all. But you're missing out on so much you want here. We don't do the same service on Sunday night that we do on Sunday morning. We don't do the same service on Wednesday night that we do Sunday morning and Sunday night. You're missing out on opportunities to grow. You're missing out on opportunities to, to, uh, to gain some things from the Word of God when you're not here. It's great to have the live stream and the podcast and other ways to join in and hear the service. But those, uh, and that's one of the reasons why for, for the first couple of years, we didn't have a live stream. I didn't want people to not show up at church because they're just saying, you know what, I'm just watching the live stream today. That's not the point of the live stream. You're watching the live stream this morning. Thank you for watching. But the whole point of having a live stream is I cannot be there because I'm sick, or I cannot be there because I got called out of town for business, or I can't be there because of some specific reasons that is actually a reason, not just, well, I don't feel like going today because, you know, I got up a little bit late, and, you know, it took, took a little bit longer to get the kids ready than we thought it was going to be. I'm just going to watch on the live stream today. That's not the point of the live stream. Right. The point of the live stream is to be there in case you cannot, absolutely cannot come. And if you want to go back and watch it again, because some of the message spoke to your heart. Amen. That's the point of it. Not, not so you can skip church. Amen. We need church. I'll, I'll get rid of the live stream before we start having a church full of people that don't come because they're watching the live stream. Amen. It's, a, it's a great thing to have, but we need to be in church. Amen. You say, but I have this and this and this, and I just don't feel like rushing around to try to get from church to, to church from work. I, I could probably do it, but it's nice to just be able to relax on Sunday night. It's nice to just be able to relax. And that's where faith comes in. God, I don't know exactly how I'm going to be able to do it. But I know you want me to, so please help. Forward by faith. Forward by faith. By faith, I will be faithful to church. Number two, by faith, I will pray for it. I've got a blank there, minutes per day. Because it may not be the same for everybody. You may have more time. And some people do, and you can pray for 30 minutes, 60 minutes. I'd like to read you a bunch of verses for you to understand the importance of prayer. We've been through a Amen. lot of these verses many times before. The Bible is filled with commands Amen. to pray. The Bible is filled with encouragement to pray. The Bible is filled with incentive to pray. Yeah. Boy, God says, just pray. This is what I want to do for you. What If, if you went before a, a king and he said, hey, you just ask, and it's yours. Just ask, and you can have it. You would say, what a, what, what a tremendous privilege. This king just told me to ask for anything, and he's going to give it to me. And yet, God says the same thing, and we don't ask. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it, he said. And yet, we don't ask. Why would we not? Why would we not be before the throne of God and asking him and begging him to, to, to heal this person, to save that person? To do this, to accomplish that. Why would we not be there before the throne of God? Every single day, especially with every opportunity that we have, will you ask God to help you pray for a certain amount of time per day this year? One of the things that I struggle with the most is making time to pray. I know that you know that I'm not perfect. That's one of the things that I struggle with. I, I pray every day, but sometimes I don't spend as much time as I would like to in prayer. Sometimes I don't, uh, sometimes, you know, things get busy and your prayer time gets pushed and you end up praying in the car or you end up praying, you know, when you're doing something else. There are days when, when I don't pray like I should. There are days when my mind is in so many places that prayer is a struggle. I 
I've decided that that's one of the things that I'm going to focus on this year. In fact, I have these things. I mentioned this earlier, but they the yearly habit tracker. It's got every month on it and every day of every month on it. I have determined that I'm going to put a check mark on it every single day because I spend specific time in prayer. I'm not going to miss a day. God will. By faith, I'm not going to miss a day. I'm not going to miss an opportunity to kneel before God and pray. And there's plenty of these in the back. Grab one of these things. Use it for whatever. It doesn't have to be prayer. Find something else that you want to, that you want to accomplish this year, spiritually. I'm going to read the Bible every single day, even if it's just a chapter, and mark it off. I'm going to pray every single day, even if it's just for 15 minutes, and mark it off. I'm going to do this every single day. Mark it off. You're not going to just do it because you accidentally fell into doing it. There's a reason that prayer is a struggle. The devil fights against that because he knows if we can get a hold of God, there is no telling what God can do through us. Amen. And so he's going to fight us. He's going to put things in our way that's going to keep us busy so that we don't have time to pray. He's going to put things in our way that keep us from taking the time in our Bible because he knows that the, 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 the value of a Christian who is reading his Bible and praying. Now, of course, he doesn't want us to accomplish that. So, will you pray? Will you pray for our building situation? We have, we have such an opportunity this year. You're here at a great time in our church's history. Not everybody gets to, to be at, the, at a church in its beginning stages when it's looking for a building. When it's getting into a building that it's trying to find that's going to be at home for who knows how long. Amen. You're here. You get to be a part of that. You get to watch God work firsthand. Don't you want to be a part of that? Oh, it's great. Look what God did. I didn't pray about it and I get really pleased and credit for it. But how would that how wonderful would that be to say, I prayed and I asked God, and look what God did. Yes, other people were praying too, but God answered my prayer. God answered our prayers. And we said, Oh, God answered our prayers. I, I didn't pray about it. Well, then it wasn't your prayers that God answered. He didn't answer our prayers, he answered our prayers, right? Not yours, ours. Don't you want to be a part of that? God wants to use your prayers to accomplish what he wants to do for this church. Will you pray for God's leading in your life? See, one of the, one of the things that most Christians, that, that, that Christians struggle with the most is understanding what God wants them to do and then doing it. Will you pray for God to give you strength to trust him? Will you pray that God would show you what he wants you to do and then ask him to help you do it? What does he want from me? What, are, what am I willing to give him? Thanks faith to pray, believing that God will answer that prayer, that's the way forward. That's the way forward. By faith, I will pray. I want you to think about this and pray about it and put a, a number in that blank and keep it somewhere where you can remember. I'm going to pray this amount of time every single day. Number three, by faith I will gain victory over my struggle. I toyed with the idea of saying I'll gain victory over my sin, but not everything that we struggle with is a sin. Right. Some things are, and a lot of things that we struggle with are, but there are some things that are not necessarily a sin. It's a struggle. Something that I just, uh, you know, I, I, I need to get up earlier. I, it's not necessarily a sin to sleep in, but I need to get up. I need to get moving with the day. Mm -hmm. I need to go to bed earlier. It's not a sin necessarily, but it can be because it keeps us from being what we should be for God. Right. So some of them are just struggles. Most of them are sin. I spent a lot of time talking about holiness, making sure that our lives are clean before God. Now, I've said that many times that we all know what the sins are that we struggle with. It's not, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was a struggle. I didn't realize that was a sin. But we know what it is, and it's a struggle because we fight against it. It's a struggle because we know it's wrong. It's a struggle because we know we should be 
doing it or should not be doing it, depending on what it is. So determination is only going to get you so far. I'm not going to overcome this sin. Well, I'm determined this year I'm not going to. Or I'm determined that this year I'm going to. Determination is only going to get you so far. It'll last a while. But when that determination runs out in a moment of weakness, you're going to fall to that thing again, and then you're going to get discouraged, and then you're going to quit, and then you're going to give up, and you'll be right back in the same place that you were a month before you started doing it. You need God's help. You need faith to step out and say, God, with your help, I'm going to overcome this struggle. I'm going to overcome this sin. Turn over to Psalm 60. Psalm 60. You need God's help. You need faith to believe that he can give you victory over that struggle. He wants you to gain victory over that struggle, and he will help you to gain victory over that struggle. The Psalm 60, verse 11 says this, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. You know, probably 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He wants to give you the victory. He can give you the victory. You just have to have enough faith to trust that he can and that he will. But it all starts with being honest with yourself. You have to name that sin. I was going to put some blanks on everyone's face. There's plenty of room on the back. Write them down. Well, I'm just afraid that somebody would see it. Put in a place that nobody's going to see it. But if it's a struggle, be honest with yourself. Write it down. This is what I struggle with. Because if you don't write it down, then, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I do that every so often, or I don't do that as often as I need to, but is it a struggle? Be honest with yourself. You're struggling with it. You're not going to get victory over it if you don't even realize that that's what you're fighting against. Right? Well, there's this giant enemy in the corner, but ah, he only shows his head every so often, so I don't, I'll poke it with the edge of my sword every now and then, but I'm not really going to look at it. Oh, if you want to if you want to defeat it, you turn it and you face it head on. You've got to admit and realize that that is the enemy. And that he's going to continue to pound at you and pressure you and to you know, gain victory over you until you realize he's the enemy that needs to be defeated. Right. Write it down, ask God's help for strength to overcome it, and then defeat it. Mm -hmm. He wants to do that for you. You have to keep it in front of you, in front of the throne of God if you want victory. Yeah. We need to take a step forward this year. And the way that happens is we're willing to say, by faith, I will overcome that struggle. Number four, by faith, I will give. Turn over to Malachi chapter three. I just read this a couple days ago. So did most of you. It takes faith to give. It takes faith to give. But by faith, I will give. Malachi chapter three, verse eight. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed for the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be enough room to receive it. You know, if you're like me, you don't have a lot of extra money laying around that you can just use for whatever you feel like using it for. Right? You can't just go buy whatever you want to buy because. Money's an issue, right? Things get tight. It takes faith to give what God wants you to give. It takes faith to give what you could give if your pocketbook was completely given over to God's service. Mm -hmm. So often we say, well, I'm giving 10%. I'm, I'm giving 10% to the penny. 
you brought me a tithe and an offering. Right? Yeah, 10% is automatically God. Actually, 100% is God. He gives us 90%. Right? If, 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 you're, if you're not giving 10%, then not you. You're robbing God because you're not even giving God what, he, what belongs to him automatically. Right? But then offerings on top of that. You robbed him in tithes and offerings. Let to be generous with God. He's generous with us. He gives us above and beyond what we can even ask or think. And yeah, we're going to say, well, here's one for you and ten for me. Here's one for you and twenty for me. Right? And yeah, we, we, we're moving into an uncertain time. We don't know what kind of financial situation we're going to be in. We're to the point where we need to hire assistant pastors. We're going to need, we need to get into another building. We, we're adding new ministry. That all takes money. Here's the exciting thing. God has you here at this time for a reason. If you believe that you're in this church because God called you here, then God knew exactly what situation our church was going to be in when he called you here. He knew exactly what your financial situation was going to be when he called you here. He knew exactly what was going to be called upon you to do when he called you here. But you're looking at the wrong person if you're asking me for money. Why? Aren't you just a channel that God can use to accomplish his purposes? Isn't that what we always say that we are? God, I'm, I'm available for you to use however you want me to use. However you want to use me. If, that's, if you need me to serve, you tell me. Just, just give me your power so I can do it. Right? And then God says, give this to money. Say, go, 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 go. A channel? Me? Yes, that's what God wants to use you for. Right? Is there something difficult, difficult about saying, God, if you provide the money, I'll give it? problem is, we say that, and then the money shows up, we start getting greedy with it. God gives us that money so we can give it back to him, so we can use it for his, 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 his service, and we start saying, wow, that was really good, I can't let go of that. Uh, God's using you in the channel, right? What good is it? Account, what, what do you give accomplish if you got a million dollars in the bank? Well, he's going right now, I'm going to dock with 50 cents in the bank. Right? So what's the point of hoarding it? What's the point of keeping it for myself? Well, you give your tithes and offerings by faith. You give commissions by faith. You give to the building fund by faith. It's amazing how God blesses us when you give. I've said it many times before, I believe it's more now than I ever have. You cannot outgive God. Right. You know, oh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I'm going to, but I'm going to give it. And you give it, and God provides money out of nowhere. But God provides. Look, look what it says in Malachi chapter three, verse ten. Prove me not here with says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Well, it's stop there. Look at verse eleven. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field. Said the Lord of hosts. What an opportunity! It takes faith, right? You know what that means? That means that God's going to make your washing machine last just a little bit longer. He may not give you money, but he's going to make it last. He may let you have a car that's got 286,000 miles on it. It's still running perfectly fine. Right? He'll make the refrigerator last a little bit longer than that refrigerator should normally have lasted. He's going, he rebukes the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. He's not saying that, oh, you give to God and God's going to bless you with so much money you won't even be able to you know, breathe because you're covered in piles of it. He's 
also helps you keep the things that you have. Amen. And not only that, I mean, think about it. And I'm not saying that somebody gets sick because they're not giving to God, but I believe that that involves our health and involves all kinds of other things. Right. God rebukes the devourer when you're willing to give to Him. Amen. Which means that all the others are true, the opposite of that is true. And you're not giving to God. Right. And you know all these people, I, I think about that, and maybe you do too. Man, you imagine what I could have if I didn't just if I didn't I, I could use that money for this, right? But there's so many people in the world that are doing that exact same thing and they can't even make ends meet with right. twice as much as what I make. Exactly. Why is this? Exactly. Because God's not rebuking the devourer for their sake because they're using the money that belongs to him on everything that they wanted to satisfy themselves with. Right. And God says, All right. That's my money, so now I'm here. You go pay for that. Right. Pay for that. Right. Pay for that, right? God rebukes the devourer for our sakes. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be wealthy, you know? Uh, it's not the prosperity gospel. You give to God. You plan to see it in this ministry, and God's going to bless it tenfold. He's not saying that. Right. But he's going to give you blessings beyond what you can even imagine. He's going to give you so much that you can't even have room to receive it. And he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake on top of it. Takes faith, but what an opportunity. Number five, by faith, I'll share the gospel with my neighbor. Here's another point that I don't need to tell Bible verses that you can do it any other. You're well aware of what I'm not going to do about our witnessing that Jesus Christ will command it over and over again to share the gospel. That's a huge point of emphasis, a huge focus in our church. We spend a lot of energy preaching about sharing the gospel. We spend a lot of energy trying to get the gospel out. Amen. I've said that many times, that the reason God doesn't take us home the moment we get saved is because we have a for us to be here on this earth. Right. We need to bring as many people with us as we can to heaven. But we need to see souls saved. Right. We need to see souls saved in this church. And I know it's, 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 it's a lot harder nowadays to, to lead somebody from nothing to accepting Jesus Christ as their Right. People were moral, at least. People had a knowledge of the Bible. They had a knowledge of God. And they were just waiting for somebody to show them how to be saved. It's not that way anymore. But that's no excuse for not seeing souls saved on a regular basis. We had a few saved this year. And admittedly, it's much harder than it was. But we should be seeing more souls saved. We should be seeing more accomplished in the way of, of winning souls for Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. You know your neighbor. You know your neighbors. Have you met them and not just invited them to church but given them the gospel? Have your neighbors heard the gospel from you? The one on the right side of you and the one on the left side. And if you have, then go to the neighbors on the other side. Keep going down the street and go across the street and witness to those people. And I, I'm, I'm trying to give you a practical way. Well, how can I share the message of the gospel? People are not. Tell your neighbors. Go next door. Share the gospel with them. Tell them about Jesus Christ. And then once you've told them two or three times, then go next door to them and tell them. Let, let people think, man, that's the crazy guy that won't stop telling me about Jesus. There's nothing better than that as a reputation. Right? Nobody wants to be known as a crazy person. But if somebody says, that guy's crazy, he'll, he's going to tell me about Jesus. What a better thing that can be said about you. At least when they stand before God someday and they rejected Jesus Christ, they can't say, he was a Christian? He never told me that. He never told me how I could be saved. I'd much rather have him say, man, you know what? That guy told me a hundred times and I just didn't listen. That's what I want to have to say when I stand before God someday. When they have to stand before him 
know them and those who may have people down the street. Those are one one by one. We have to be the ones to do it. I'm doing the best, my best to get the gospel. My neighbor got saved. I can't do it by myself. And and quite frankly, it's not my job the way your neighbor's Christ. It's your job. He calls you to that area. And honestly, I probably couldn't do good as good a job of winning your neighbors to Christ as you can. You know them, they know you. If I showed up at the door and not them, they probably wouldn't even answer. You show up at the door with a plate of cookies, they'll open the door. Right? Use it to give them the gospel. By faith, when you say, I don't know how they're going to get saved, I don't know what the consequences are going to be. I know that's what God wants me to do, and I'll talk. Lastly, he by faith, I will serve. Right? And several more ministries we give. And in fact, if you if you go back into your little book right there, you see that it says on the first page. Those are all new ministries that we're going to start this year. The plus ministry is a big one. Big one. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of patience. But I believe the harvest is white. The opportunity is great. So burdened for a young family. They're raising the next generation. Boy, wouldn't it be a great thing if they were raising the next generation of Christians? Right now, there's young families that are right outside of these doors that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they're raising the next generation. They're not raising them for Christ. And they don't even know them themselves. What a great opportunity to get people in. Ministries don't run themselves. They run and are, are operated by people who are willing to step out of faith and say, God, I'm here. I'm available. What is it that you want me to do? Turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. There's a lot of opportunities to jump in and serve. You know, if you've been on the fence about joining the church, why don't you take this step and jump in with both feet? Can you sing? Join the choir. Sing special music. Can you work with kids? Get in a Sunday school class. Get on the bus route when we get it started. Can you play an instrument? Let's start an orchestra. I want to do that. I want to add more to the services. Take that talent. Use that talent. Use that ability for God. Can you work with your hands? Join the cleaning crew. We got lots of cleaning crews. Join the, the mowing crew. We're going to add that this year. All right, I've been doing all that mowing. I, I can't keep up with everything anymore. I need help. We're going to have some mowing crews to get out there and mow the grass. That's a great opportunity for you to get out there and use your hands, right? Do some repairs around the church. Can you not move very much physically? Get involved with, in fact, there's another one that says it's the card ministry. Get involved with writing for a missionary, sending out, out, out birthday cards to missionary kids. We need to start several more outreach ministries, but we need people in the church, and we need those people in the church to serve. We're talking about some of these other ministries. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a list of all of our ministries. I'm going to pass it out so you can look at each one of those things. And some of them are once a year. Some of them are a couple times a year. Some of them are once a week. Some of them are once a month. And then what I'm also going to do, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to throw too much at you at the same time, which is why I'm waiting just for a week or two on this, but we're going to give you a, a, a spiritual gifts test where you can go through and try to figure out what spiritual gifts you might have and then be able to apply those to do what ministry will work out well for you to be a part of. We have got to serve Jesus Christ. We don't have that much time left. And if all we do is say, well, nobody else can do that. Everybody else is doing it already. Oh, you jump in and serve. We need you. That's why I have to say that you have to step out in faith. But I've never really done that. I don't know where to start or what to do. It takes too much time. Step out in faith. Allow God to use you. He wants to use you. Also, burdened by the families that we have in this area, I think sometimes we, we've got to find a way to reach them. We've got to, we've got to start some ministries that can get into those homes, that can get them coming to church, that can get them to Jesus Christ. We've got to do something. 
Regardless of any of those things, you have to step out in faith or you'll never move forward for God. You might be thinking, oh, Pastor's just trying to throw on the church. That's why he's trying to guilt us into getting busy. That's what you're thinking, man, and you're thinking in the wrong direction. Right. Do I want to see the church grow? Absolutely. I want to see right. the church grow. Right. Amen. Amen. But this is where you're missing the point. Ultimately, this is God's church. This is not my church. Amen. This Amen. Is your church. Right. I just happen to be leading. Amen. All right, that the president of Microsoft didn't say, this is my company. It's not his company. It belongs to everybody that's working in it, everybody that, that's invested in it. He just happens to be the one leading it. Right. That's exactly what this is. This is your church. This is my church. This is God's church. And together, we're trying to take this church forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. I don't care how big our church is. I really don't. The, the bigger our church gets, the more of an impact we can have in this area. We're not publishing our, our, our numbers. We're not, we're not bragging about how many people we had in church this Sunday or that Sunday. Most people don't even know what size our church is. Most people don't even know what happens in our church on Sundays. And I like it that way because it doesn't matter what happens in other churches. I guess it's, it's exciting to hear that God's doing other things in other places. But this is us. This is our church. We want God to work here so that we can reach this community for the cause of Jesus Christ. Once you step out of faith, once you resolve that you're going to move forward this year, even if it's only a few steps, because if you're not moving forward, you're moving back. You cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. You're either moving forward or moving back. Once you say, by faith, I'll be faithful to the church. By faith, I will pray every day. By faith, I will gain victory over my struggle. By faith, I will give. By faith, I'll share the gospel with my neighbor. By faith, I will serve. That's how we, by faith, move forward for God. Got a lot more to say about that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for an opportunity to be a part of what you're doing here. Oh, I'm so excited about this year. I know you've got great things in store for us. I want to be a part of it. I want to be as intimately involved in it as I possibly can be. I want to see you work. I want to see you bring people in so that we might see souls changed. I want to see us go out and win souls for the cause of Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of it. And God, I pray that each one of us would be willing to say the same thing. Thank you for what you do. Amen. If we did it, proceed with your head bowed in high court. I want you to take a moment, whether you come forward or not, I want you to take a moment and ask God to give you the strength to say, by faith, I will do these things. These six things. We can probably add a whole lot more things to it. I want you to be willing to say, by faith, I'm going to do these six things this year. I don't know how I'm going to. I've never really done that stuff before. I've never really been that dedicated before. I've never really done this. I've never really done that. But my faith, I will do those things this year. And the panel, please, come forward, kneel there to see. Once you make that resolution, my faith, I'm going to go forward this year.